of sort of what's been going on in my life as a whole. And uh, good afternoon, Samantha. Good afternoon, Giovanni. Good afternoon, Maggie and Big Doug and Phil. Oi, oi. Nice to see you guys. Don't stand so close to me. Broma dude, what up? Brothers and sisters and bit laggy. Uh, hey, Steph, I was called a racist because I posted your YouTube video on my Facebook. And uh, so what you want to do, of course, is you want to say to people that you would like them to stop using the anti-white slur called racist, right? Because racist always means white people, and it's never really applied to any other group. So you just got to push back on that stuff, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, Travier, Quebec, Quebec, huh? they don't say we, oui, they say oui. Smoke in church, they say. So, yeah, good afternoon. We This is the question, and I guess I need to leave, lean on the collective Borg brain of uh, your wonderful people to help me sort this out. Are we still being coronavirus into economic death? You know, it's a whole lot easier to stop an economy than it is to start an economy. You know, it's like every now and then, as I get older, I'm actually having to revise my exercise schedule. And uh, because I'm just getting a little bit older and creakier, and my body doesn't complain at the time, but a day or two later, it's like, ooh, that's a little sore. And so I've had to take a little bit of break from exercising. And, you know, it's kind of tough because when you get out of the habit of something like this, you, uh, <sighs> it's hard to get back into the habit again. It's like dieting. Samo says, please summarize what cultural Marxism is for a layman. So cultural Marxism is the idea that you can't prove the efficiency or validity of Marxist economics because Marxism or Marx made a whole bunch of predictions, the opposite of which came true. And after the empirical evidence of dozens of communist countries in the 20th century, you can't sell communism as an economic theory. So what you do is you just... Um, demoralize and program people against the values that sustain capitalism, and uh, that way you can have a slow burn takeover. So, uh, The newer COVID-19 test showing a lower rate of fatality. Uh, again, uh, I don't think it's the fatality that is the main issue with regards to this stuff. The main issue is um, long-term potential health impacts of SARS-CoV-2. So... Um, I'm not worried about dying of uh, coronavirus. I am concerned about these ground glass anomalies, other long-term issue, issues, blood clotting. Some guy lost a leg and all that. You look at the way I speak a French. Well, thank you. It's the silent X at the end of my name. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelled of elderberries. It's true. All uh, right. Yeah, but I mean, at some point, and I think that point was passed as of a little while ago, that the point where we are losing uh, more people because of economic slowdowns, lack of access to health care, and so on. Do I speak French? Not very well. It's like restaurant French. So, un petit peu, as they say. Uh, all right. So, I'm going to... Um, uh, let me just turn off the chat here for a sec because you guys are too... Oops, wrong one. You guys are too fascinating. And um, hey, Robo Beast, Nice to meet you guys. Okay, so let me just... I'm going to just read a little bit of this article and then you guys can sort of tell me what you think of, of this problem that I'm having. And I really would like to I'll get the chat on and 
bleeding during the thought. Okay, so this is an article that came out May 9th, 2020, and this is from The Star, uh, which is a newspaper of dubious philosophical repute. Uh, they were very big on unions until they got strangled by a union, and then they seemed to turn on it right quick. You know, it's always easier to be altruistic with other people's time, money, and effort. But from Trois-Rivières, Quebec, few people were more excited with the quick... Let me try that again, but, you know, as a, uh, a professional. Few people were more excited with the Quebec government's plan to reopen stores and schools in the epicenter of Canada's coronavirus outbreak than Annabelle Chouinard, the dress designer and owner of the go-to wedding gown shop for graduates and brides in many of the smaller towns that lie between Montreal and Quebec City, was excited and anxious, but mostly desperate to get back to the store she opened in 1996 at the age of 18, right? So this woman, she's, I think, what, she's in her 40s or whatever. Probably the uh, hair roots look a little bit different. uh, Because as the old saying goes, um, we have uh, less access to makeup and uh, eyebrows, uh, eyebrow trimming and mustache trimming and hairdresser, so, man, things are going to get ugly out there. No, she's a fine, fine-looking woman, I'm sure. But anyway, so she started this store at the age of 18. Oh, yeah, she's 43. So she said, my only thought was, I have to open on May 4th. I have to open on May 4th. C'est Chouinard, 43, the owner of Vice Vertu, Vice and Virtue, I guess, which operates out of a former school in Trois-Rivières. Isn't that interesting, a eh? former school, because... For those of you who don't know, Quebec was, I mean, it escaped all of the horrors of the 1950s of French philosophy, uh, well, quote philosophy, anti-philosophy, anti-reason. So Quebec went, uh, what was, you know, you had eight kids per per family. It was, you know, no contraception. Uh, What was that old joke when I was a kid? Uh, there's a Eurovision Song Contest, and uh, Italy has been asked, uh, has withdrawn. No, that's right. Italy has taken out its song from the Eurovision Song Contest called I Can't Get No Contraception after the Pope advised them to pull it out at the last minute. So there were tons of kids being born in Quebec, and then like literally within the space of 10 years in the 1960s, uh, birth rates crashed, right? So here what we have is a, a store devoted to female vanity, which used to be a school, which used to be devoted to female fertility, right? So vanity has overtaken and eclipsed and destroyed fertility, and that's, um, well, that's what they call life these days. She bought hand sanitizer, this um, Annabelle. She bought hand sanitizer, disinfectant, and disposable masks. She reorganized her fitting rooms. Dresses to be tried on this week were hung out on a rack three days ahead of the customer's appointments to eliminate any risk of contamination from the COVID-19 virus. There was a separate track, sorry, rack for garments that had been tried and needed to be put back into one of two storage rooms that hold more than 1,500 dresses of all shapes, sizes, and colors. There, in the potentially contaminated, the, there the potentially contaminated garments would hang in there in quarantine for seven days. Chouinard prides herself on offering not just dresses, but the dress shopping experience. Exposing customers to infection was not an option, but she quickly discovered how difficult it was to offer the former without risking the latter. So she says this, you think, okay, the client will go into the fitting room, but they can't touch the curtain. Then you ask yourself, how can we manage it so they can try on 12 gowns? You realize that, no, no, doesn't work. She had thought of almost everything, but her optimism had blinded her to one big problem. 
I arrived last Monday morning and the telephone wasn't ringing, she said, because buying, buying a dress is no one's priority. Quebec is like any other Canadian province in that respect. Fancy fabrics and threads, unless they wrap around the head and cover the nose and mouth, are the last thing on the minds of most people. The summer wedding season is a bust. It's easier to put vows on hold for a year than to celebrate the coming together of lovers in a socially distant manner. Graduations are up in the air, too. Secondary school students won't be going back to class until the fall. Where Quebec has stood apart is in its decision to return to something like normal in a way that even jurisdictions with milder coronavirus outbreaks have been unwilling to emulate. Retail stores outside of the Montreal area opened this week. They will be followed on Monday by daycare centers and primary schools. Within the Montreal area, Quebec's COVID-19 hot zone, and of course, center of immigration as well. Stores are set to open on May 25th the same day that primary students will be welcomed back to class. Perhaps, wel- perhaps welcomed is not the right word. A May 1st letter to parents from the Riverside School Board, which covers the suburban communities south of Montreal, spelled out what students can expect when the school bell rings. After reading it, one per- parent wrote on Facebook that it sounded, quote, absolutely insane. Our children will be in jail, basically. <laughs> well, they, they were either way, right? While there will be no metal bars, there will be a, quote, designated space, quote, for each student two meters from their closest classmate that teachers cannot enter and students cannot leave except for a once-a-day recess. Outside, they will be barred from using playground equipment, no drama, gym, art, or musical instruction either. Due to space requirements, some students will return to different classrooms led by different teachers, perhaps in different schools altogether. I think it's cruel for the parents and the children, said Nadia Darpino, a brassad mother of two children with special needs, neither of whom will be returning when their school reopens. It's nonsense for four weeks only. I think they should not have opened, worked on their strategies for a couple of months between now and September, and see what fits best for the schools. So teachers have spent the last week configuring workspaces, adapting lesson plans, and figuring out how to connect with their young charges wearing face masks, visors, gloves, and other protective equipment that the government insists is unnecessary, but has reluctantly agreed to provide. Richard Bergevin, president of a teachers' union in Quebec's Eastern Township, said they are really concerned right now on doing the work, but what they tell us is that they have butterflies. They have worries tied to their health. Anyway, so let's get back. No, that's it. Let's just get back to this woman, see if they return to her. Oh, yeah. So Chouinard, the dress designer, believes it's only a matter of time before the virus roars to life again. Quote, in clothing stores, when a lady wants the medium-sized sweater and she has to touch the small and large to get to the medium, she's contaminating left and right. The owners of stores selling items with hard surfaces can, be, can conceivably spray and wipe every trace of one customer before the next comes along. But a single wedding gown takes an hour and a half to properly clean with a vapor machine. That calculation has left Chirinard to a temporary solution as she surveys the bleak business horizon. She will complete the 156 outstanding dress orders, collect the remaining payments to minimize her financial losses, and shut down her store, at least until the fall. That's what entrepreneurs are having to think about. Do I open my store, do I close it, or do I wait? So, let me tell you why this is, I'm just thinking and thinking about staring into the eyes of this woman, right? It's Annabelle. So she started the store when she was 18. They don't mention anything about her children, her husband. Maybe she's, I'm just going to, maybe she's an entrepreneur. And, you know, 
it's not like I want to pick on her. I'm sure she's a hard worker and she's done all of this. But looking, looking into this woman's eyes, right? Looking, looking, looking into this woman's eyes, I have a sort of foundational question. What the, where do my listeners go? Are we still on? It says zero, zero watchers. All right, so let's talk about this woman. It's really, really something. And this is where I do want to ask you about all of this, right? Just look at her. It looks like she has poured her whole heart and soul into this business of hers. And no other life. And now what's happened? What's happened? And this is the problem I have. This is where I need your help. I cannot figure this one out. And I'll sort of lay out to you the issue that I'm having and uh, see if it makes sense to you. And I really do appreciate you guys showing up, of course, and uh, I look forward to your, your feedback. So the causality of responsibility in the world, to me, is quite complex. I'm a big one for, you know, take maximum conceivable responsibility for your life. And I have been warning the world about the dangers of government, the dangers of communism, the danger of China, the danger of, I mean, I was on Joe Rogan six years ago talking about the dangers of weaponized viruses or this kind of stuff. I was never allowed back on, I guess. But I have been warning the world for a long time. And I hate being right. I really, I hate being right. I, I mean, it would be great to have been wrong, but I'm not wrong. And you can see this. I did an interview with Gordon Chang about the dangers of China close to 10 years ago. I've done multiple presentations on China. And I did an entire, I mean, for those who doubt, right, I did an entire, I mean, poured a huge amount of money into a documentary to expose the dangers of China and its relationship to Hong Kong last fall. And then uh, it was mercilessly suppressed and, and hidden from view, which is a real shame because it could have made a real difference. Could have, made a, could have saved thousands of lives if that documentary had been allowed to circulate in the way that other documentaries have been allowed to circulate, even ones that are supposedly more radical. I mean, I was, I was out in Hong Kong marching with the protesters. I took facefuls of tear gas. I recorded everything. I mean, this was what was going on. And um, it was terrible. Martin Lee, the guy who wrote their constitution, who I interviewed extensively for close to an hour, has been arrested or was arrested. I don't know if he's out or not yet. So I have been raising the alarm. And listen, I've been doing this 15 years publicly, but I was doing it privately since I was uh, 15. I was close to 40 years. I mean, I'm 50, going to be 54 this year, right? You take, take back uh, 40 years, that's 14. And I started in my mid-teens to warn people about the dangers of government, the dangers of communism, the danger of China, the danger of the media, like being infested as it is with leftists and socialists and communists. I sort of be warning and warning and warning. Now, this woman is suffering enormously, Right. I just, I really want to, I mean, it's important to personalize it because this is kind of how stuff kicks in for me as well, right? So you look at this woman, I mean, she's suffering enormously as are so many people. And why are they suffering? Well, they're suffering because the uh, government and 
the World Health Organization and China and 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 all suppressed the danger of the virus. China covered up how dangerous it was with the participation of the World Health Organization. They covered up human-to-human transmission. They said that um, uh, putting travel bans on would be uh, unproductive and, and racist. And right, So they really worked to facilitate the leftists, both in the media, in local governments, Western governments, in, of course, the hard communists in, in China, the head of the World Health Organization and all of that. And I've got, I remember one of my very early shows was just how absolutely godforsaken and awful the UN was. And the UN is now nagging people about gender pronouns rather than dealing with the fact that the Leviathan evil called China is swallowing up Hong Kong as we speak. So what are people's responsibilities? I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, this just sort of struck me as something kind of, uh, uh, kind of important, right? Which is, I mean, Trump did send a letter to the World Health Organization uh, saying everything there was really to say about the World Health Organization. And uh, it, was just, uh, it was just horrendous. It was just horrendous. Let's just see if we can uh, bring this up. It probably is a... Uh, so Trump wrote a letter May 18th to... And, you know, can you believe it that people say that they demand to be called His Excellency? Good Lord. So he said, uh, Dear Dr. Tedros... So he said April 14th, I suspended U.S. contributions to WHO pending an investigation on the organization's failed attempt at the COVID-19 outbreak. So he said the World Health Organization consistently ignored credible reports of the virus spreading in Wuhan in early December 2019 or even earlier, including reports from the Lancet Medical Journal. The World Health Organization failed to independently investigate credible reports that conflicted directly with the Chinese government's official accounts, even those that came from sources within Wuhan itself. By no later than December 30th, 2019, the World Health Organization office in Beijing knew that there was a, quote, major public health, end quote, concern in Wuhan. Between December 26th and December 30th, China's media highlighted evidence of a new virus emerging from Wuhan based on patient data sent to multiple Chinese genomics companies. Additionally, during this period, Dr. Zhang Zhizhan, a doctor from Ubei Province Hospital of Integrated Chinese and Western Medicine told China's health authorities that a new coronavirus was causing a novel disease that was at the time afflicting approximately 180 patients. By the next day, Taiwanese authorities had communicated information to the World Health Organization indicating human-to-human transmission of a new virus. Yet the World Health Organization chose not to share any of this critical information with the rest of the world, probably for political reasons. The international health regulations require countries to report the risk of a health emergency within 24 hours. But China did not inform the World Health Organization. Sorry, it's just uh, flipping pages here. Of Wuhan, several cases of pneumonia of unknown origin until December 31st, even though it likely had knowledge of these cases days or weeks earlier. According to Dr. Zhang Yongzheng, of the Shanghai Public Health Clinic Center, he told Chinese authorities on January 5th, 2020, that he had sequenced the genome of the virus. There was no publication of this information until six days later, 
On January 11th, when Dr. Zhang self-posted it online, the next day Chinese authorities closed his lab for, quote, rectification. And even as the World Health Organization acknowledged, Dr. Zhang's posting was a great act of transparency, but the World Health Organization has been, has been conspicuously silent, both with respect to the closure of Dr. Zhang's lab and his assertion that he notified Chinese authorities of his breakthrough six days earlier. The World Health Organization has repeatedly made claims about the coronavirus that were either grossly inaccurate or misleading. January 14th, the WHO gratuitously reaffirmed China's now debunked claim that the coronavirus could not be transmitted between humans. This assertion was in direct conflict with censored reports from Wuhan. On January 21st, 2020, President Xi reportedly pressured the World Health Organization not to declare the coronavirus outbreak an emergency. You gave in to this pressure the next day and told the world that the coronavirus did not pose a public health emergency of international concern. One week later, you reversed course. On January 28th, Dr. Tedros met with President Xi in Beijing and praised the Chinese government for its transparency. Even after you belatedly declared the outbreak a public health emergency of international concern on January 20th, Dr. Tedros failed to press China for the timely admittance of a World Health Organization team of international medical experts. The team did not arrive in China until two weeks later on February 16th, 2020. Even then, the team was not allowed to visit Wuhan until the final days of their visit. The World Health Organization was silent when China denied the two American members of the team access to Wuhan entirely. You also strongly praised China's strict domestic travel restrictions, but were inexplicably against my, Trump's, closing of the United States border or the ban with respect to people coming from China. I put the ban in place regardless of your wishes. Your political gamesmanship on this issue was deadly, as other governments relying on your comments delayed imposing life-saving restrictions on travel to and from China. Incredibly! On February 3rd, 2020, you reinforced your position opining that because China was doing such a great job protecting the world from the virus, travel restrictions were, quote, doing, causing more harm than good. Yet by then, the world knew that before locking down Wuhan, Chinese authorities had allowed more than 5 million people to leave the city and that many of those people were bound for international destinations all over the world. As of February 3rd, 2020, China was strongly pressuring countries to lift or forestall travel restrictions. This pressure campaign was bolstered by your incorrect statements on that day telling the world that the spread of the virus outside of China was, quote, minimal and slow, and that, quote, the chances of getting this going to anywhere outside of China were very low. On March 30th, 2020, the World Health Organization cited official Chinese data to downplay the very serious risk of asymptomatic spread, telling the world that COVID-19 does not transmit as efficiently as influenza, and that unlike influenza, the disease was not primarily driven by, quote, people who are infected but not yet sick. Wildly inaccurate. By the time you, the World Health Organization, finally declared the virus a pandemic on March 11th, 2020, it had killed more than 4,000 people and infected more than 100,000 people in at least 114 countries around the world. You can read, uh, of course, this uh, letter for yourself. It's pretty easy to find. The World Health Organization has failed to publicly call on China to allow for an independent investigation into the origins of the virus, despite the recent endorsement for doing so by its own emergency committee. The World Health Organization failure to do so has prompted member states to adopt the COVID-19 response resolution at this year's World Health Assembly, which echoes the call by the U.S. and so many others for an impartial, independent, and comprehensive review of how the World Health Organization handled the crisis. 
The resolution also calls for investigation into the origins of the virus, which is necessary for the world to understand how best to counter the disease. Anyway, diversity hires, as we're finding out in Michigan, are not particularly effective. So let me get to the essence of what it is I want to ask you guys. I appreciate your patience. This woman. Annabelle. Her business has been destroyed by China. So America was researching into this horrible stuff back in the day. And Obama shut it down. And then I think the woman went over to Wuhan and continued her work there. And as you know, how to figure out how to gain how to allow the back coronaviruses to gain function and more easily infect humans was something they were working on, and then it jumps mysteriously to humans right in the same place where all of this stuff is being. But even if you think, okay, it's completely zoonotic, it somehow came from from the horseshoe bats 900 kilometers away that flew towards one of the most polluted places in the world and just happened to bite someone who was right by the Wuhan bioweapons lab. Okay, let's say that it's completely zoonotic. It came through the uh, other animals. It came through the Wuhan seafood market, you understand that the communists in China, the communists in the World Health Organization facilitated the spread of this disease. Now, what is this woman's responsibility? What is Annabelle's responsibility for the destruction of her business? Is she a victim? That's one hell of a question. It's one hell of a question. Is she a victim? I don't know. I mean, I literally go round and round in this in my head. So let's look at the two poles and figure out what's in the middle. Okay. So the first pole is she is a victim. That she was uh, indoctrinated by government schools that she's indoctrinated by the media, that she is not in possession of any information that might have her make a better or more informed decision about China, communism, socialism, the 100 million plus slaughtered by communism in the 20th century alone, the democide, two and a half World War Twos, more than 10 times the Holocaust. She's just not informed, you see. I mean, the mainstream media never told her that Justin Trudeau was a big fan of China, is a big fan of China, it seems, even now. And that he praised China's basic dictatorship and their capacity to just, you know, get things done. I don't know if she voted, if she's a woman, go back, she probably did vote for the liberals. Maybe the conservatives would have been better at shutting down the border earlier. You know, one of the things that characterizes conservatives is a revulsion to the unclean. It's actually been kind of measured psychologically, uh, a greater horror of the unclean and so on. It's R versus K selected, as I've talked about before on this show. So I think it's entirely possible that a conservative government would have been better. But so let's say she's just, she's like a child. She's like a child, just being led where the media and the arts and the newspapers, which aren't news, but propaganda, 
raised in government schools. She's just a victim. She's like a leaf blown in the wind of other people's prejudices. And she has no causal or foundational responsibility for what has happened to her. She's a victim. And we should have sympathy. That's one Paul. I can't get there. I can't get there. Now, another poll is that throughout her life, this woman, from, what, 18 to, I think she was 42. She was almost a quarter century, right? So for almost a quarter century, this woman has had access to alternate information. She could have read. She could have learned. She could have studied. She... Right? I mean, she was alive during, I want to say 40 years. Sorry, I'm just going back here. She was alive. She knew about the end of communism in the Soviet Union and all of that. She could have read. She could have read. But instead, what did she do? Well, she worked on her business. And now communism has killed her business. And certainly, I mean, the internet was, has been around really since, you know, like for 20 years. It's really been a sort of pretty functional system. I've been around for 15 years. And a lot of Canadians have heard of me, of course. Uh, I've been in the Canadian media a number of times. Now, obviously, it's obviously always derogatory for a variety of reasons, but she may have heard about me. She, and again, it's all theory. It's not in particular to her. It's just this is the person who's kind of haunting my mind. That she could have read a little. She could have learned a little. She could have found out a little. She could have gone for the facts. But instead, she just decided to do other things, right? Maybe travel a little, maybe date, maybe read Fifty Shades of Grey or Harry Potter or, you know, she, she decided to, she made the choice to avoid information that would have been upsetting to her or might have caused her fractions within her family or might have put her on the outs with her friends or, you know, instead she, you know, looked at a pretty picture of Justin Trudeau smiling and it's like, you know, he makes this little, what is it, that little heart gesture that people make, uh, that little heart gesture. And she's like, yeah, I'll vote for this guy or uh, I'll avoid voting or I won't learn. I won't find out the facts and I won't challenge my friends and I won't challenge my indoctrination. I won't challenge my programming. I'll just, uh, you know, do what's fun and do what's nice and do what's enjoyable to me. I'll run my business. I'll whatever. I don't know if she's married or, or not. Um, actually, she would have a she'd have a ring on, right? She'd have a ring. <laughs> Probably going to find out from someone who who knows her, right? Oh, yeah, I can't see your hands, right? Okay, so. So on the, on the one poll, right, we have, well, this woman is a child led by the nose, right? No, no responsibility, no causality in the disaster, and we must have massive sympathy for her. And the other poll is, well, um, freedom is not something that just happens on its own. I mean, freedom is, is like a plant, right? I mean, you, you don't water the plant, you don't take care of the plant, you don't put the plant in sunlight, the plant's going to die. And you sit there and say, oh, hey, man, I mean, there was nothing I could do. I mean, plants just die. Be like, yeah, but do you not know that? Do you not know that plants need to be taken care of? Do you not know that liberties, freedoms need to be taken care of? 
because you've just checked out of the necessary maintenance of the liberties your ancestors died to hand to you, that you just selfishly glommed on to all of their achievements, so hard won by thousands of years of bitter, dangerous, deadly, blood-soaked struggle, and you're like, well, I guess I could read something about politics, I could read something about the truth, but, uh, eh, you know, Netflix just added the Friends show, so I'm going to grind my way through ten seasons of that, because that's more fun. And yeah, I get it. It's more fun. I like. I understand. It's more fun. It's more fun. Until it's not. My, until it's not. And now, she's in her 40s. Maybe she doesn't have kids. Maybe she's not married. And her business is, come on, man, it's toast. It's toast. And now what? Does it seem so wise to have wasted your time doing inconsequential, self-serving, hedonistic, unimportant things now that she's, you know, statistically going to live for probably another half century. And now it probably doesn't seem quite so wise to have ignored all of the information that was at your fingertips for two decades. Now, maybe, it does, like, this kind of regret is so important. It's why I keep nagging at people all the time about the Aubrey case and about, you know, gosh, six million other things that I'm constantly nagging people about. Is she even going to make the connection and say, hmm, well, I, if she did, right? Statistically, she's likely to. I supported a guy who was a big fan of China who was running the country and there are still people pouring in from China. Canadians can't leave, can't go anywhere. And this is going on, I think, until July now. There's still flights pouring in from China. I did not educate myself. I did not learn the truth. I did not learn the facts of the matter. And it's like not taking care of your teeth or taking care of your health. Like, ah, it's a bummer to go to the dentist, so I'm just going to chug along. Okay, well, then you're going to lose some teeth, right? Probably. You're going to get some gum disease. You're going to get sick. Or people who, uh, you know, they get older and their bones are brittle and so on. It's like, yeah, well, you, you didn't exercise, right? And exercise strengthens the bones. It's actually one of the sort of hidden main benefits, right? I mean, just keep your bones strong, right? You know, I mean, most people live like they're astronauts, right? Bone density goes down to a pickup stick twig situation. It's like, okay, well, you didn't, you didn't exercise. You didn't eat well. You didn't, right? You, you went out without sunscreen, now you have skin cancer. Like, it just, in terms of the causality, and when I was a kid, you know, I wrote a whole manifesto in my early to mid-20s called the Rationalist Manifesto. And I sent free copies of it to anyone. I had to send up a P.O. box, and I ended up engaging in a wide variety of Debates with people. I wrote letters. I mean, we had to do it that way back then, right? It's like uh, th- almost 30 years ago. About, about 30 years ago. And I paid for that out of my own pocket. And, and, and so the idea that I could just sort of click a button and talk to thousands of people and then have it replicated hundreds of thousands of times around the world at the push of a button, literally, I mean, that was absolutely incomprehensible to me. So in terms of the responsibility 
you know, I get if the anti-communist writings are all in ancient Aramaic and you need to know hieroglyphics and sacrifice of goat's entrails to be able to figure them out. Okay, I get But it's a fingertip. It's like the push of the button, the knowledge to save your life, your business, was always right there at the tip of your fingers. Literally, you're carrying the antidote to what has destroyed you in your pocket or in your bra, right? You go to a search engine, like a real one. You go to a search engine, type in anti-communism. Type in China, dictatorship. Type in communism, death toll. Type in Justin Trudeau's view of China. You know, idle speculation. Everybody's got time. Everybody's got those times where you're sitting in a waiting room somewhere or you're on hold. You just, you know, just type it and go. Right, it's there. In an engagingly presented, entertaining, interesting fashion that I and many, many other people have put together all of this stuff. It's right there. How much responsibility do people have for the world that is, given the ubiquitous, accessible, engaging nature of the Internet? How much are people responsible for not knowing? Well, it's an interesting question, and the Internet has answered that in a particular kind of way that is really powerful. You know, I don't blame people who didn't get a copy of my Rationalist Manifesto 30 years ago because it was hard to get a hold of, right? I set up a P.O. box. I, uh, I, put a, I put an ad in the newspaper and I sent it to whoever asked for it. Again, this cost me quite a lot of money. It was all at my own expense back when I was a, a struggling temp worker. And, but I worked it. You know, I worked it with all of the available muscles at my disposal. I couldn't afford an ad in the newspaper, and they probably wouldn't have taken it anyway. But I did, like a big full-page ad, but I put an ad in the newspaper saying, I can't, I can't remember what the ad says, but a manifesto for liberty, small government, and I was, I was a minarchist back then, an objectivist. And yeah, I mean, those people, I can't even remember, I don't know, it was like 30 or 40 people I ended up engaged in a correspondence with, but you never know, it could be important, could be somebody who ends up with a lot of talent, a lot of money, a lot of connection, a lot of reach. But it's right there, like your, your portal to the truth is being carried around in your pocket, but instead people choose to swipe on, on Tinder or faff around looking for non-insane single moms with kids in the background on plenty of fish and things like that, right? They just choose to use this stuff for kitty videos, porn, casual sex, and the storm gathers, right? The storm gathers. You know, how much are people responsible for what's happening to them? Because it's important. It's really, really important to me. Because I have bottomless wells of sympathy for genuine victims. Like as you've heard me on the show a million times, when people have suffered through bad childhoods, I mean, I just bottomless sympathy if they get caught up in situations beyond their control that no reasonable person could have seen coming. Massive amounts of sympathy. And 
holding people accountable has really, really been racing around in my brain. You know, when I was a kid, you get that, that first little circle of a train track. And you just got to train things around and around. And then maybe you get some long parts. And maybe you build a little papier-mâché mountain with a tunnel, put some fake trees up there, and uh, you get some splitters. And But that little round and round thing, that's what's going on with this stuff. How much are people responsible? All the people who voted for Democrats in New York when the governor ordered nursing, home, nursing homes to take COVID-infected patients and put them among the elderly. Or they couldn't deny people for real or suspected COVID infection. And they put a disease that strikes down the elderly. They forced nursing homes to take those people and put them among the elderly, resulting in a higher death count than 9-11. Right? We all recognize that the people who inflicted 9-11 on New York were terrorists operating on a political agenda. What about forcing infected people into nursing homes? How much responsibility do the nursing home practitioners have for allowing those people in? Were they just dependent on government money? Did they ever think that that might be wrong? How many of the people who died as the result of the governor forcing infected people into nursing homes, so to speak. How many of those people voted Democrat? What is the level of responsibility? Because if there's no level of responsibility, then I have nothing to do, which is not an argument. I'm just laying out sort of facts of the case, right? So if everyone's a victim and everybody's programmed and everybody's indoctrinated and nobody had any choices, then the, the time for arguments is passed. And I desperately don't want the time for arguments to be passed because that's a pretty grim transition in society. But if there is no responsibility... I don't have anything to do. This show is. No, I can't change anything, right? Can't change anything if this is true. So I do want to give people maximum responsibility. I do want to give people maximum responsibility. So in Michigan, right, the lady in charge of keeping the dam safe doesn't have an engineering degree. She has a master's degree in public bureaucracy and crap like that. She seems to be some, I don't know if it's an extreme or radical environmentalist, but was very much into clean power, green power, right? So all of those who said, well, we need diversity hires and women aren't done by and blah, 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 blah. All of those who refused the basic facts about the need, the desperate need for a meritocracy, particularly in terms of infrastructure. So for a couple of years, I was director of technology for a software company that used pretty accurate infrastructure lifestyles to predict future spend requirements to maintain infrastructure. Um, and I sold uh, this software uh, and, and helped build the software and managed the upgrades and production of this software for a couple of years and traveled all over the world talking about infrastructure and deficits. And the numbers were absolutely staggering, the deficits that were accumulating, because, you know, uh, why would a Michigan governor, a Democrat governor, spend money on dams? Dams don't vote. Instead, all the money gets poured into buying immigrant votes for Democrats and war machines for often Republican big companies in the endless desert wars that characterize the brutality of U.S. supposed defense, which is actually just the international war crime of aggression. So if you 
find that your house is under nine feet of water. And you said, well, we need diversity hiring. You know, women have got to be advanced. If it's 50% women, there should be 50% managers, despite the fact that women lack the same amount. They don't have the same amount of testosterone or aggression as many men, which is sort of important for that, that they don't often work as hard on average uh, as men, that women take time off to have babies, that women tend to be more agreeable, which is not what a leader needs to be. A a leader, to be an effective leader, needs to be comfortable with being profoundly disagreeable. Right, So for everyone who was like, yeah, women are hard done by, you know, women should be promoted into the workforce and doesn't support a raw price law basic meritocracy in the market, okay, now your house is under nine feet of water. Despite the fact that uh, the, go- the federal government had warned Michigan repeatedly that they, these dams were at risk, these dams that were built in the 1920s, these dams were at risk. But now you see people... They want, they want to give jobs to the ladies, right? Because otherwise it's unjust. Okay, so you give job, a job to a lady who happens to be wildly, in my view, at least unqualified for the position and lady governor, lady person in charge of the dams. They got plenty of money for diversity programs and I'm sure there's a whole bunch of pronoun conferences, but they don't have any money to fix the dam. Now you're nine feet underwater. What is your level of responsibility? What is your level of accountability? Are you a victim? Or do all your choices have consequences? And this comes from my own thinking, and also there's a very, very powerful scene in the novel Atlas Shrugged about a train disaster and everyone on the train who has some moral culpability in the train disaster. Because I think our only, our only way out of this, my friends, is to hold people 100% accountable because that empowers them. And I was told, you know, and I believed growing up, empowerment was a big thing. It empowers people. To hold people 100% accountable because the information that they need to save their homes, to save their lives, has always been right there at their fingertips. And so maybe we can just go around saying to people, did you vote for these people? Did you inform yourself of the truth? Did you choose to listen to wildly false information about me, about other anti-communists, anti-totalitarians? Did you choose to submerge yourself in the acidic joker-producing vat of propaganda that parks us for the toxic sludge of the modern media and the modern indoctrination, education, higher education system? Did you believe that you just had to go to college for the arts to be a success in this world and swallowed whole the canned garbage of modern leftist toxic propaganda? Did you call good people racists who were trying to inform you? What is your level of moral responsibility? And I'm torn. I am, I'm penduling back and forth. So let me get your thoughts on this. I do want to go maximum, but, you know, again, I'm aware of some of the causality, that it's more complicated. So, you know, if you have the chat... 
uh, cooking. Let's see here. What do we got here? All right. We need red pill suppositories. Yeah, I hear, I hear what you're saying. Uh, how do you quantify personal responsibility without confirmation bias? Who sets the parameters? But we all know about confirmation bias, right? We all know. And, you know, if you've been on Twitter, I mean, I'm sure you've heard of me and of other people and all of that. So are you responsible? Uh, I like this woman. She posts on Twitter, Bubat. Here in Japan, there's no identity politics at all, none. I love America, but it's absolutely crazy. It's much happier in China, actually. Multiculturalism is the worst thing, destroys everything. We are in an age of identity politics rather than a meritocracy. Head of World Health Organization should be charged with, charged with crimes against humanity. Um, sorry, uh, and charged with crimes. Yeah, charged with, yeah, of course, right? I mean, how many people got killed because of China and the World Health Organization's lies? Sometimes the line between responsibility and tragedy is so thin you can't see it with an electron microscope, but a job is to get a more powerful microscope. Solzhenitsyn maintained that every Russian citizen was in some way responsible for what happened under communism. Yeah, I know. I do know that. So, yeah, I mean, there are people who are running against these hard leftists in power. And are they, are people responsible for not identifying and, and sharing this information? You know, like the stuff that I talk about with regards to IQ is one of the ways that we push back against this radical egalitarianism. The IQ between the races, the IQ between the genders, the IQ between ethnicities often is different on average. Again, you can't judge individuals, but when you zoom out enough to large demographics, you can judge particular groups that way, right? And so if you've heard about this kind of stuff and yet you won't talk about it, well, then you end up with massive government power in an attempt to resolve inequities caused by differences in IQ. So if you won't share this information, if you won't talk about this information because you're afraid of blowback, okay, well, I get it. Like, you don't get the blowback at the time. But what you do get is a deadly virus coming in and destroying your business. People know the names and birthdays of every player on their favorite sports team but can't figure out which candidate is in bed with China. The average person is not even curious, let alone informed. I don't know. I don't know about that. They are curious. But we have that moral choice to make when we get a hold of information that is true, or at least we can't disprove, but which is going to cause trouble for us, and we choose not to share that information. Okay, there's a problem, right? When you have a large part of the population that is ignorant, how do you make them responsible without some kind of force? And sadly, that is coming. That could be true. Someone said to me, atheists are communists in disguise. What do you think of this? Well, so I have a free book called Essential Philosophy. You can get it at essentialphilosophy.com. And uh, in that book, I talk about atheism destroying the Christian virtues of the West without working hard for a substitute, right? Right insofar as they 
destroyed a church in a storm of society, in a storm of the world, in a will-to-power world. They destroyed the church, but they gave people no place to take shelter, in which case it's just an act of destruction. And I really got a sense of just how anti-moral atheists are when I, as a hard atheist, came up with a rational proof of secular ethics. The atheist community either attacked it or mocked it or ignored it. They did not want a solid proof for secular ethics. Yeah, they are useful idiots for communism as a whole. Politicians should be forced to wear NASCAR-style uniforms so we know who sponsored them. I think the time for arguments is over. Just hunker down and take care of yourself. Maybe liberty will rise again in Hong Kong. Any updates on Jordan Peterson? I don't know, in fact. Um, I see him post occasionally, but... um, I mean, I think for me, you know, if I were in Jordan Peterson's shoes, let's say that I had become uh, addicted to drugs and my daughter had left her husband for some really sleazy guy and, you know, all of these terrible things that happened. You know, if I was like an expert who was telling the world how to live and these disasters had occurred within me, I think it would be important to have, you know, a full disclosure Q&A and and sort of say, here's where things went wrong and so on. But I haven't seen him do anything like that, though I haven't really followed him much lately at all. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. The audio is unsyncing with the video at times. Um, I I wish I could tell you, but um, uh, it is, I I will, um, what I do is I slow down the audio, XSplit, and if anybody knows, please just email me operations at freedomain.com. I do not know why the audio goes out of sync. Uh, with the video. Um, sorry, I will fix it afterwards and upload a new version. I have to basically slow down the audio to get it to sync with the video. It's very sad. It's very sad. Um, yeah, so I don't know what's going to happen with uh, Jordan Peterson, but um, uh, Jordan's daughter, yeah, I think I think she left her husband for a while and was, anyway, it's a really, really unsavory story. You can look it up if you want. Uh, I think she's back now, though. Yeah, the message is the same with Unsync Video, right? How I've, why have I never talked about or made a presentation on Stoicism? What's well, so funny when people say that to me? Why haven't you pursued my particular topic of interest? You know, there's a whole big internet out there, man. Whole big internet out there. You can absolutely go and find... Um, you can go make a presentation. You can go and do it, right? That'd be the same with Steph. Why don't you do what's important to me? You know, it's your life, man. Take your own damn responsibility and go and create something. What happened to Mike? Oh, my God. <laughs> I always find that kind of a strange question. Huh? People, uh, people change, right? People change. Things change. Am I going to move to Spotify like Rogan? Yeah, so Joe Rogan is, I think he's leaving, he's taking his podcast off YouTube for fears of censorship and he's going to Spotify. Um, uh, Spotify also censors. Uh, I'm going to be debating rationality rules. I think his name is Michael Woodward on UPB. Yes, at the end of the month, uh, in 10 days, 31st of May, 2020, at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We will live stream it, of course. Thoughts on New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern? Oh, straight up socialist. I mean, you've got to go and look for the number of videos with her basically throwing the comrade word around, which is like the N-word for capitalists. 
Message from Jordan Peterson. I'll bloody update you all after I finish this damn steak. It's tougher than Solzhenitsyn's shoe. Spotify. Did Spotify pay him $100 million? Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess good for him in terms of just money, but uh, it means that he's $100 million away from talking about really important issues. Spotify is 46% owned by the Chinese government. Is that really, is that really true? Is that true? No, that can't be true. Joe Rogan can't be just taking 100 million bucks from a almost half-owned Chinese government puppet. No, no, that can't be true. Let, let me go and check that. All right, here we go. Let's do some live typing here. I have to type past the... Uh, no, that can't be right. Uh, um, no, it's a Swedish international media services provider, right? Uh, yeah, Spotify is not blocked in China, I suppose. Wait a minute. Ten iconic companies owned by Chinese investors. Uh, oh, come on, Spotify can't be on this list. No. All right, I tell you what, um, I could look for this for a while. Let me just see here, Spotify, uh, Chinese government. Uh, no. No, I uh, I can't I can't see any confirmation of that. So look up Tencent. Let me see here. China owns nine point one percent of. Yeah, sorry, I can't I can't do this. Uh, uh, I can't do this uh, live. Sorry. What do I use to search with? Well, it ain't Google. Let me tell you. Stefan needs a fact-checking staff. Yeah, well, you know, I can't really do that um, live on live stream. So. Well, I will, I will have a look at that. Um, I mean, I tell you straight up, man, uh, if, if, a, if a company with significant Chinese control offered me 100 million bucks, I wouldn't even be tempted. Like, I'm sorry. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I have been offered quite a bit of money uh, over the years from various groups, and um, I, I really, really want to stay accountable to you guys. I really, really want to stay accountable to you guys because the moment if I took a bunch of money from other people, then I would be accountable to them, not to you. I just want that direct relationship to uh, to all of that. Live forensic accounting, right, right. Uh, I have heard about the, like getting messages from the situation in South Africa, which is basically a government uh, takeover. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it does seem to be. I need an assistant. You know, I've gone through a whole bunch of people over the years. Uh, it's uh, it's tricky. You know, that the files are so large that I work with that shipping them back and forth over the Internet is just slow. And I've got it down to a pretty fine art for getting things done now these days. So, You could do a lot of good with $100 million. It would be morally irresponsible not to take it. Oh, Garrett, you got to be kidding me. You think I would take $100 million from communists or a communist-owned agency? Not that I'm talking about Spotify because I don't know, but no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. How to make a donation to Izzy's Art Fund. Well, I guess you could go to freedomain.com forward slash donate and leave a, a note about that. 
But no, uh, no, money is not money. I mean, if you take $100 million from someone, um, they, I mean, they own your ass, right? It's like, I'm sorry. Uh, they just own you. And, and there's nothing that you could buy with that money that would satisfy you if you were compromised in the attainment of it. Like, it just wouldn't, wouldn't matter. Do you regret placing so much focus on race and IQ for so long? Seems that many people use that to bludgeon you and ignore everything else you have to say. Uh, I don't, in fact, regret that. Uh, I mean, I did the topic, as I do for a while, and uh, then I didn't. Let's see here. Spotify is 9.1% owned by a Chinese music media company at the end of 2019, according to this article. Okay. Well, so, yeah, it's not, not close to 50%. It's 9.1% owned by a Chinese music media company. And uh, anyway, so that's just uh, important. You need Streamlabs for donations. Yeah, well, freedomain.com forward slash donate. And here's the thing, too. Like, I, you know, you should really um, uh, check out the Subscribestar community. It's really cool. Like, I mean... So we have, you know, video, voice, text, chat going on at uh, subscribestar.com forward slash free domain. A couple of bucks a month. Uh, more is better, but if you can just do that, that's fine. We do a call-in shows. People are running Dungeons & Dragons campaigns. Uh, we just have really, really great stuff. Abra says, always loved your content staff. Remember you in the Volvo in the Red Room. Yeah, that's going back, right? That's going back. Keep going strong. I appreciate that. I certainly will. What? Why inspires your snarky sarcasm and smugness? Some people are asking honest and direct questions. You laugh many of them off. Why is it difficult to be more sincere with feedback? <laughs> so you're complaining that I'm overcritical and you're... <laughs> and you're criticizing me? Yeah, well, you know, it's just kind of funny, right? It's just kind of funny. <sighs> Let's see here. No, I don't. Uh, the, the, the IQ issue is very, very important because you see the... Um, the Marxist argument is that in a meritocracy, everybody will end up the same, that CEOs are not smarter than workers, and everybody should end up with the same of everything, and that will destroy the economy because we have an economy that's based upon massive productivity, and the moment we interfere with the Pareto principle or the prices law, you know, that the square root of people in a meritocracy produce half the value, the moment we say everybody has to end up with the same amount of stuff, that all wealth generation is actually theft, we are going to destroy the economic engine that is currently keeping billions of people alive. Like, straight up, no kidding, billions of lives hang on the question of the social allocation of resources. So if you don't understand IQ between the genders, between the races, between managers and employees, between married women and single moms, if you don't understand the general IQ issues, you won't have anything to push back on when it comes to radical egalitarianism. And so, no, I don't regret it at all. I mean, absolutely, I've taken probably the largest hits in my career from that, talking about the roots of communism, talking about IQ and so on. Yeah, massive hits. My alternative is what? To shut up and take money? That's not... Uh, it's not how that's not how I'm going to live my life. I mean, I'm I'm just not that uh see I'm not that into money. I mean, it's important to have money. I mean, you you've got to be able to pay your bills, right? And you know, running this show is not the cheapest thing in the world. Uh podcast downloads are are up, of course, uh and donations are down. Uh, more people are listening because of being restricted, but people have lost their jobs. And of course, I get most of my listeners from the entrepreneurial private sector. It's not like a lot of government workers listen to me about the evils of the state. So, yeah, 
costs are up, donations are down. If you can help out, freedomain.com forward slash donate. I'd really appreciate it. But um, I don't know. Somebody gives you $100 million. So what? Like seriously, what? It doesn't, it doesn't change who you are. And they're going to want things in return for that $100 million. There's nothing in this world that is for free. There's nothing in this world that is for free. And no price is too high to take for maintaining your own soul. Uh, what if people with a high IQ are also genuinely smart and don't want to take a job with a lot of stress? Sure, that's fine too. Right. I work for the government and watch. Trust me, it's as terrible as you think. Yeah, I hear you. One of the most independently free thinking and, and accurate philosophers to grace our age. You're amazing. Good work, Sifan. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. If you donate on our free domain, do you get a shout out on the live stream? Because I have an important question to ask. It's $50. Uh, what do I install a poll in the studio <laughs> and all that kind of stuff? Um, Stefan, you have talks about IQ saved my brain. I was blind and now I see. Thanks so much. Well, thank you. Listen, it's really, really important to understand that the world is actually kind of just and fair. It is a reasonable place to live in, in, in a meritocracy. Some people are going to do very well. Just think about singing. Some people are great singers, have a natural talent for songwriting, and they do very well. And somebody who's a great singer didn't steal your singing voice. They're just, as the old song goes, born that way. If people aren't allowed to criticize you for being overcritical, and it was indeed an issue, how would you ever fix it? <laughs> That's a good question. So overcritical is... Um, is not an argument. I mean, just saying, putting the word over in front of something is not an argument. And um, so if people want to criticize me for being overcritical, I guess, okay, here's, here's, how, here's how you can criticize me for being overcritical, right? So it's the old line from King Lear, right? He is a man more sinned against than sinning, right? So I'm far more viciously criticized than the criticisms I deploy against others, right? I'm far more the subject of, you know, horrible falsehoods than whatever criticisms I inflict upon others. So if you are concerned with overcriticism, then what you need to do is take on the people who wildly, inaccurately, and horribly criticize me and get them to change their ways. Because then you've shown that you are very effective at getting people to change overcriticism. And then when you've sorted all of that out, then you can come to me and say, um, Steph, you know, there were people or... There were people who criticized you wildly. Uh, I've gone to them because I really care about overcriticism, and I've gotten them to change their ways. And uh, that way, uh, you'll listen to me, and I'll be like, oh, man, absolutely. Like, thank you so much. Like, what an amazing thing that you've done. I'm absolutely keen to listen. But I am a man far more sinned against than sinning, and if you're just going to lecture me about my sins without talking about anyone else's, I'm just not going to listen. I'm just actually going to lump you in with the people who are unjustly attacking me. Uh, Ethan says, I don't have any friends. What should I do? Uh, yeah, well, I would say uh, really try and work on your social skills. Again, there's lots of places you can do it. We have a great server at uh, subscribestar.com forward slash free domain. That will be pretty, pretty good. You know, it's, it's kind of the same issue like when, when people tell me how to run my social media and they've been on Twitter for... 10 years and they have like 50 uh, followers. It's like, yeah, like you got to show me that you're good at something before I'm going to bother listening to you. 
Like, that's all, right? That's all. Ah, right. Yeah, join the Discord. Yeah, yeah, please do. I came late. What are you trying to figure out? <laughs> well, let, let me stop everything and start again because you came late. <laughs> it's kind of funny. What do you think of the Ayn Rand Institute's free courses? I have not. Uh, I have not uh, checked those out. How can I improve my IQ uh, if it's only 20% I can work with? Well, I mean, read a lot, um, challenge yourself. I think puzzles, games, I like Scrabble myself, uh, chess, all of these kinds of things are uh, pretty good. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you can work on that kind of stuff. And remember, wisdom is more important than raw intelligence. So that's uh, important, right? You'd rather be happily married than have an IQ of 170 or 160 or whatever it is, because in terms of happiness, being happy. So, you know, learn how to live wisely rather than relying on raw intelligence. Um, any chance there's a new Dr. Pesto conversation coming anytime soon? Yeah, I'm sure there will be. I'm sure there will be. Uh, I've been... Uh, <laughs> I have 10,000 Twitter followers and I discuss how my husband is having an affair with a goat. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Um... Will you make a video on April Parks? The name rings a bell, but I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Stefan, stay strong. The tides are turning. We are going through the birthing pains right now. Well, I hope so. I hope so. Um, with 28-year-old, I need to worry about marrying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The request about stoicism, this is a sign of awkward respect. People like you enough to see... What do you think about their favorite philosophy? Well, if they really care about the philosophy, of course, then they would recognize and remember that I'm a like crazy busy guy. And it helps if they point me in the right direction or something like that. So I've donated 50 bucks. I would happily give you more if you could help me through my situation. I love you. You might go to YouTuber. Thank you very much. Uh, just send me an email. Uh, the call-in show link is available on the website. Send me an email. We will hook you up. You don't need to pay me to get on a call-in show. You don't need to pay me to get into a call-in show. I've never taken money for a call-in. So. Thoughts on Ayn Rand's view of love? It's pretty good. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, I, um, uh, my definition is um, love is our involuntary response to virtue if we ourselves are virtuous. Could you do a new series about philosophers? Yeah, I actually wanted to do a whole documentary on the history of philosophy. We will, we will have to see. We will have to see. Do you like game soundtrack music, Steph? Um, not really, no. I mean, it's not like I dislike it, but I just don't uh, really do that, right? Do you agree a true sign of intelligence is not simply what one can remember and recall, but rather what one can do with new information? Yeah, of course. I mean, memory and recall have been outsourced to computers, right? I mean, you don't need to remember stuff if you can store it on your computer or look it up on, on a website or something like that. So the... Uh, issue with regards to intelligence is are you uh, intelligence to me is the ability to overcome tribal resistance to universalizing things what's your opinion on candace owens uh, i like candace she is a courageous woman a fierce woman kind of a, a valkyrie in a way and uh, she is doing some great work uh, both in terms of conservatism as a whole she's doing great work in the black community with blacksit and all of that so good for her uh, right. Why does the media hate barbers and want them to starve? Well, small businesses don't like communism. So, 
I just found out you know George Bruno. Yeah, George and I have had a bunch of conversations uh, in person, in fact. Highest IQ are mathematics majors. No, as far as I understand it, highest IQ is physics followed by philosophy. How do you suggest young women navigate dating relationships in this day and age? Um, get involved in, I think, high IQ philosophical groups, uh, whether online or in person, and just uh, make sure that you get the Q&A right at the beginning of a dating scenario so you don't end up in a situation where you've kind of bonded to someone who doesn't share the same values. That's a pretty bad thing. Better memory allows you to spot patterns more and recognize correlation and analogy. Yeah, again, memory in general is associated with IQ as well. So, All right. Should we uh, close things off? Yeah, do a shorter one. Um, yeah, if you have any thoughts about this, I would like to hear uh, more about this question of responsibility. It's really, really important to me. What do you think about Jung and the idea that people are guided by archetypes in contrast to, for instance, logic? And what about thought forms? I have had a lot of wrestling with Jung. I should probably do a presentation with him at one point. More wrestling with Jung than with Freud, who was a drug-addicted dealer who destroyed lives left, right, and center, and also destroyed childhoods left, right, and center. So I, I feel like you and Carl Benjamin make a good team. I'd like more videos of you together. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, I like him too. Uh, people lack basic logic. Do a few few lectures on logic. Yeah, so for that, you can go to artoftheargument.com and get my book. Do you like Jared Taylor? Brave guy, man. Brave guy. Would you interview Jordan Peterson? Sure I would. But uh, Jordan Peterson won't probably have much to do with me uh, at this point. Uh, he's, made his, uh, he's made his choices, made his stance, and uh, I think it's kind of a cautionary tale in many ways. I tested and joined Mensa hoping to meet smart people. Boy, was I disappointed. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Uh, evidence for the resurrection of Christ. Hmm. I'm trying to avoid topics that are going to require massive amounts of research on my point because, uh, it is, uh, it's rough. Thank you for your teachings on peaceful parenting. It's been very valuable to my young family. Appreciate that. Opinion of George Soros. Oh, it's completely satanic in my view. Opinion on Richard Spencer. He's a socialist and a nationalist. What can I tell you? Uh, let's see here. Okay, so let me let me close this off. Just to thank you guys. It was really great to drop in and, and chat with you guys. And um, uh, thank you for your feedback. Thank you for your comments. Thank you for your support. Uh, I really, really do appreciate that. And um, yeah, don't forget. Uh, so uh, you can just go to, uh, to freedomain.com forward slash donate. From there, you can either do a donation if you want, which I really, really appreciate these days in particular. We've got the final version or the final show on the Sunset in the Golden Series State uh, Sunset in the Golden State series coming out should be coming out this week and it's actually kind of timely because I talk about um, the disaster of public infrastructure which given what just happened in Michigan is quite important but I do it with reference to the Golden Gate Bridge which was not entirely public of course but um, I do talk about that so if you'd like to help at the cost of finishing that that would be great so freedomain.com forward slash donate and you can go from there to subscribe to our set up a sub uh, description there and join us uh, on discord so lots of love from here everyone thank you so much for coming up for 15 years of uh, great conversations and here's let's hoping for another 40 more why not let's aim for the big time okay take care guys bye